I want to invite you to do something as we begin this morning. I want you to go back a little bit on a journey with us and imagine what it was like a little bit to be a child, but remember a specific uh, scenario that maybe developed in your life, and it might be different for each one of us, but imagine for a second what it was like as a child. Maybe you had a sense of discovery about something, a sense of pure discovery where you're doing something for the, for the very first time. Uh, maybe for you it was the first time that your parents were teaching you how to ride your bike, and, and you had training wheels before that, and that didn't really count, but there's a moment the training wheels came off. And, and mom or dad was kind of running alongside of you with the bike and, and they're holding on. And then you get to a point where you speed up so much that mom and dad or mom or dad let go. And in that moment, like there's this moment of, of utter freedom. Like it's a sense of discovery for you. I've never done this before. I don't know if it's going to work or not. And the mom and dad let go and, and, and you know what it's like. And that sense of discovery, if you're a parent, you know, you see it in your child's face. That true sense, that pure sense of discovery. One of the cool things about having an infant is going through those stages with them. And for Zach, as he becomes more aware of things that are going on around him, like he is so bright-eyed, he sees things for the first time, and it, it just astounds him. I remember the other day he realized in his nursery there's this big, giant cow, because my wife works at Chick-fil-A, so there's a giant cow there. And he, he, for the first time, he realized that cow was there. And for 10 minutes, he sat there like wide-eyed, looking at this cow just like it was the coolest thing, like just watching that. That sense of discovery as a child, we start to grow up and we have those opportunities to have that pure discovery. For me, I don't remember the first time I rode a bike. Uh, I was too young. I don't have that exact memory that I can remember. But I do remember a bunch of my friends that were older used to ride their bike around the block to the next block over. And there was a retention pond there. And next to the retention pond, there were some trees. They built a fort. And so my older friends would ride their bikes around. We had a lot of kids in our neighborhood, so they'd ride their bikes around to the other side of, of the block, and they'd go to the retention pond and, and all that stuff, go fishing, and, and go check out the fort. And I would beg my mom and dad, please, can we go ride our bikes over there? And mom and dad, no, you're not ready yet. You're too young. And then eventually the day came where mom and dad said, okay, you can go now. And here's the thing. I knew other people had been there before. And I knew that realistically it was just the next block. My parents drove that block all the time. I had seen all of that before. But for me, because my parents were giving me permission and because it was me and my other friends who were younger who hadn't had a chance to do that, for us, we were straight Lewis and Clark. Like we were adventurers going on this adventure. Yes, we are free. We wanted to go discover. Even though we'd seen it and other people had seen it before, we wanted to go have that sense of adventure and that pure sense of discovery. Well, today we're kicking off week two, or session two, week three, of, of what we're talking about on this Pathway to Freedom, a series we're calling Freeway. And the idea behind Freeway is that we believe that everyone, or almost everyone, wants to have freedom in their life. The question we keep coming back to is if we want to have freedom, why do we keep going back to being held in captive? Why do we keep going back to bondage? If our desire is to be free, then why do we keep going back to those things? And a group of people got together, started studying this out, thing out from, from life and looking at scripture and saying there has to be a path to freedom. And so what we're doing in church, what we're doing with the workbooks that we're selling back in the back and in our freeway groups is trying to go on that path to freedom and realize that you know, through this study, there's six different steps that we're walking through. And each of those steps is really, really pivotal. It would be really nice if you or I could say, of those six steps, I feel really good about five of the six. 
So if I just focus on five of those six and I skip the sixth step, it's not that big a deal, right? Because I don't like this particular one. It doesn't work that way. In fact, we've encouraged you as much as you can be here week in, week out. And if you can't be here, check out the podcast or look at the information because each of these steps builds on each other. It's a path to freedom. First week we had an introduction, then last week we had step one, which was raising awareness in our life. The thing we talked about last week is life is so loud, sometimes it's hard for us to be aware. And the louder life is, the less we are aware. And so our goal has to be to reduce the, the hurriedness, to reduce the rush. And when we reduce the rush, we increase awareness. And sometimes it's a challenge for us because at the end of that, we talked about uh, the, the idea that was kind of left there was sometimes the most spiritual thing we can say is no. And that's tough because I realized that as a church, the only way we exist is through volunteers that at some point said yes. And so the question that I faced, as soon as we got done on Sunday morning, uh, some people asked me a question. Okay, I get that. It was, it was really strong. I, I got all this stuff. But how do I know what to say no to? You see, if life gets so busy, life gets so noisy, it makes me incapable of hearing that silent whisper of God. And sometimes my life, life gets so loud, it's hard to hear what God's doing because of the busyness. So if I have to remove some things from my life to be able to better hear the voice of God, then what are the things I have to say no to? Well, hopefully by the end of this morning's message, as we go into the next step, we start to arrive at that. Today we move from awareness into discovery. And discovery is about Jesus inviting us to look into those broken and busted up parts of our life. He wants us to go on a journey where we invite God to be a part of this. Say, God, I want to look at those things. I want to see where they're at. I want to deal with my past. And I want to be able to shine a light into that darkness. But the enemy of our freedom is trying to seek, kill, and to destroy everything. He's trying to speak lies to us. He's trying to bring out scare tactics in order that our fear would prevent us from realizing the fullness of, of, of God's plan for our life. And so he'll do things, he'll lie to us, he'll bring things up in our life over and over to try to say to us, we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, look at your past and your past is holding you back. And there's an enemy saying, keep going back to the past because here's what we're becoming experts at doing. We are becoming really good at pretending our past doesn't exist. And we're going to get into this in a second. But we become experts at pretending our past doesn't exist. And so we store it away and we put it in some neat box and say it's just going to stay there untouched. It's going to collect dust. And eventually it's going to stop affecting us. And we think I'm just going to go on with my life and pretend that stuff isn't there. And I'm just going to deal with life where it's at. But there's an enemy trying to stop us from being free. And we say, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to remember that. I don't want to talk to other people about that. And I definitely don't want to talk to God about those, that stuff. So I just think I can just remove my past altogether. And in the most inopportune times, when we're stressed, when life becomes a challenge, the enemy brings a voice in the back of our head that says, hey, you remember how your family was? Remember how dysfunctional your family was? You can never have a functional family because of how dysfunctional your past was. Or remember how your anger used to get the better of you? Well, that's who you are. And so you're never going to get better because of that angry stuff that you have in the past. And the enemy's going to keep bringing those things up. He's going to keep lying and deceiving us because his desire is to rob that freedom from us. And the best way he does that is to constantly remind us 
about our past. And so if we're going to do this, I'm not saying this part of this is easy. In fact, if there were one of the six, I'd look at and say, this is the one I'd be most comfortable saying, I don't even want to mess with this. It would probably be in the area of discovery because freedom requires fearlessness. And for us to discover freedom, it requires us to look at what we're going to talk about today in three different sections and say, I need to look at these areas with a newfound sense of fearlessness i got to be open to saying, God, I want to invite you into those broken and busted up parts of my life. God, I want to be honest with myself about those broken and busted up parts of my life. And I want to be able to find some key friends, some key relationships where I can help them work through those things because it is essential. So three things we need if we're going to get through this. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at one verse in just a second. But three things that we're going to require if we're going to get through this. First of all, we have to have the courage to face our past. Each one of us has a past. Now, at Rich Point, we, one of the core values of Rich Point Church is this. We never want to define anyone by their lowest moment. It doesn't matter how bad your past is. We don't want to define you by that past. Because every one of us has a past, and sometimes we hear these incredible stories. You'll see a person come up on stage, or they'll be at some conference, and they will share their story of, man, you don't know how bad my life was, and, and they have this horrific childhood, and it's amazing they got through it, and there's, there's drug use, and there's alcohol abuse, and there's arrest, and jail, and, and imprisonment, and, and murder. There's all this bad stuff, and they get up, and they have this shining story of redemption. And, man, look at how much God has changed their life, and everyone claps and says, that is awesome. They have this huge past. And, and, and God has delivered them from that, and that's really powerful. And, and then we sit here, a lot of us say, well, my past wasn't quite that, that checkered. My past wasn't quite that crazy. And I'm afraid that sometimes, for those who say that isn't my story, my story, I, I was raised in a pretty good home. My parents got along well, and I had a lot of good opportunities. And so because I don't have a huge past to dredge up, but for each one of us, we have a past. And sometimes we've never dealt with that. It's, it's easier for a person who's been through a whole lot to kind of deal with that because they have to. That a lot of us say, well, I didn't have that bad past, so I'm just going to pretend my past didn't exist. All those mistakes I made, they don't exist. And God says, if you want to have, if you want to discover what the future is for you, if you want to discover the fullness of my plan, it, it requires you to discover the things in the past that are holding you back. We never want to find anyone by their lowest moment. The thing I've seen in my life, is I've talked to people. In fact, there's there's a student years ago that was in student ministry, and I talked about this very idea. We don't want to judge you by your lowest moment. He was a good kid making some bad choices at times. And he said, J.J., that's impossible. You can't not judge me according to my, my past because you know that, and it affects how you think about me today. And I said, it does, and I think we do that to ourselves. We want to look at other people and show them grace, but we tend to hold those things against ourselves. And I said, here's the picture. God, when he looks down at me, and I have a past. My past might not have been as crazy as yours, but I have a past. And God, when he looks at me because of what Jesus did on the cross to set me free from my past, he doesn't see my past. He sees the sacrifice of Jesus. And if he's willing to extend that grace to me, then it is imperative that we start to share that grace with other people. And so we look at them and say, listen, just because you have a past, we're not going to define you by that past. In fact, for each one of us, this is a huge deal. This is a big deal for what we're talking about today. Our past isn't meant to define us, but it is meant to refine us. 
Our past isn't meant to define us, but it is meant to refine us. We're supposed to go through a process of saying, I know I made a mistake in the past. And part of my healing has to be to go to where that mistake is, to go through a process in my life of being refined and say, God, I want to invite you into this spot because I know I'm broken, I know I'm battered, and I need to invite you into this area to start to refine me, to make me whole, and to make me discover what your plan is for my life in the future. But in order for that to happen, I have to deal with the past. And I have to allow the past not to define me, but to refine me. I see people and they think experience is the best teacher. And they think, well, I've been through a really bad experience, so therefore I've learned. And now I'm going to go on and I'm going to make better choices. But if we don't go through a refining process, sometimes it doesn't happen. I see people who, they enter into a really bad relationship. And they know early on it's a bad relationship. And it gets really ugly for a season. They go through that season and, and, they, enter, and they exit that season and say, oh, I'm glad that relationship's over. But really nothing about their decision making has changed at all. So though that relationship is, is, is gone, they've not been through a refining process. And they've never changed anything, so they find themselves entered into a new relationship. They've never been refined, but their past starts to define them. And they keep going through a cycle of bad relationship after bad relationship. Or bad decision after bad decision. And they make a bad decision, they deal with the consequences, come out on the other side. There's never been any refining at all, never been any change at all. And they go and make the same bad decision and they wonder, why am I never feeling connected to my family? Why don't I have this connection with God? Why are things not going better? Why is, why is my marriage falling apart? We've never, we've made a bad decision. That bad decision starts to define us. And we've never been through a process of saying, God, I don't want it to define me. But I do want it to refine me. I want it to change me. God, I can learn from my past, and the only way I can do that is by saying, i got to be honest with myself. And say, I know there are broken and busted up pieces of my life that I can't just pretend away. And so what I have to do now is I have to come to grips with that. I have to deal with that. I have to invite God into this, because the only way there's going to be healing at all is to say, God, I, I want to be honest. I'm dealing with this myself. I want to invite you in, because you're the only one that can fix this. And then part of that is finding some key people that I can be honest with. To say, listen, I know this isn't easy, but I need some people to speak truth in my life. This week, in the workbook we're going through, they have an exercise that you can do where it asks you, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And then it asks you to find a really close friend and ask that close friend, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And that's a lot tougher because in order for that to happen, we have to expose ourselves enough to those friends. We have to go through a process of saying, listen, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know my strengths. I want you to know my weaknesses. I want you to know the things that I'm going through because we all need that level of accountability. Our past isn't meant to define us, but it is meant to refine us. In Genesis chapter 3, there's a story of the original sin. And after the original sin, Adam and Eve were told, you can't eat of that tree, and if you do, you're going to die. And actually at that moment, God shows them, them grace from the very beginning. But it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, at that moment, their eyes were opened. So at the moment of, of their sin, their eyes were opened. They became more aware because of that for a season. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So we see the original sin, and it, it brings about a level of awareness. But immediately after that, they felt shame at their nakedness. And so the first thing they do is they cover themselves. 
And from that point on, that's what we do as humans, is realize, man, we make mistakes, and maybe not physically as it was here, but spiritually and emotionally, we start to feel the shame of our mistakes. And so what we do is we cover them up because we don't want to expose ourselves, spiritually speaking, to the nakedness that people would see. And so we say, God, I don't want you to know my faults because I'm afraid if you know my faults, you're going to judge me and you're not going to love me. And I don't want my friends to know all the mistakes that I've made or those broken and busted up parts of my life because if they do, they're going to know that I'm crazy and, and they're not going to want to be friends with me. And I don't want to deal with those things myself because it's conflict and I don't like conflict. I don't even want to dredge up those things so I'll pretend those things don't exist. And what we don't know is that in that case, we don't deal with the past and the past doesn't stay the past. So we've said this before. But our past isn't our past if it's impacting our present. So your past is really neat if I can keep it in a box and keep it organized and say all that stuff about the way that I was raised or all the stuff, the bad relationships I had or the bad choices I made, I keep it in a night tidy box and I keep it up in, in, in maybe a, a compartment in my, in my, on my shelf in my garage. No one else sees it. And I want to keep it there and pretend it doesn't exist. But here's what happens. Life inevitably gets tough. And life starts to squeeze us, and life gets really busy, and we get stressed. And all of those things start to get dredged up because there is an enemy trying to stop our freedom. And he brings those things up, and those things have never been refined, so they start to define us. And the past doesn't say the past becomes our present. And we have to deal with those things. When life gets hard and we get squeezed, what's on the inside starts to come out, and all, those, all that worry and all that anxiety and all that fear starts to affect us. See, last week we had an exercise we asked you to do where you checked off a box about how fast life is right now. And we asked you, like, is it slow? Is it limping? Is it walking? Is it running? Is it uh, running really fast or is it supersonic? Something like that. And then it asked underneath that, it asks, how long has it been this way? And I knew because I'd done the exercise coming into Sunday morning. And I knew, I marked the box, the, I marked the box that said supersonic because I knew, and I marked three weeks as the time of, length of time it's been that way. Because I knew the last three weeks, and I'd seen this on my schedule for some time, but I knew the preceding three weeks, life started to get quicker for me. And it was going to be that way for a little bit. And so I knew that was the, the box I was going to check. But as I started to think through this week, and kind of the implications of that, I thought about those times during the last couple of weeks when life was supersonic, when stress started to hit, when life didn't go the way they wanted to. How many of y'all have ever had that week before where things didn't go the way that you wanted? How many of y'all that was this week? Y'all can be honest, like this week was crazy. Yeah. Um, for me, a couple of weeks ago, I had a really, really busy day scheduled. It was just the way my calendar worked out. I had my first meeting at 5.50 in the morning, and I was going to finish up some stuff about 10.15 that night. So I knew it was going to be like a crazy day, and I had little margin for anything to happen to go wrong that day. And so I got out that morning, and I was, I was kind of rusking out of the house, and it was early, early in the morning. And so I go to, to my car, and my wife had parked behind me. I said, you know, instead of moving the cars, all that stuff, I'm just going to take her car to work, and then later on in the day, I'll come back and we'll switch vehicles. And, and it worked out really well because about an hour later, my wife calls. About an hour and a half later, my wife calls. She says, hey, I don't know if you know it or not, but you have a flat tire. Like, oh, man, not today. And I, I knew I'd been putting it off. I need to get four new tires in my van. So I said, you know what? Let me find out if I can get a, a good deal on tires. Let me go take care of that. And so I make a couple phone calls, I look at some stuff online, and I find out a place that gives me a great price on four new tires, and they promise to have you out in like an hour or less. And I said, perfect, I'm going to go there for lunch, get this taken care of, grab lunch real quick, and then I'll come back and schedule, stay on track. And, and so I go there, and by the time I left, 
the price they quoted me had doubled. Like, all the, they always find stuff. Oh, you got to take care of this, too, and this. And, and the price had doubled, and it took over four hours. In those moments, and all of, we all, all had those days. In those moments, all of that stuff in the past, if we've not dealt with it, man, it all starts to creep up. And for some of us, that looks like, man, I get really mad. Like, if things aren't going my way and I start to get stressed at home, well, I have an anger issue I've never dealt with. I had the stress at home, and all of a sudden I find myself yelling at my wife and my kids because I never dealt with, I've never invited God into that mess. For some of us, it's when I get stressed, all those feelings of doubt and insecurity, thinking there's no way you're going to accomplish this, no, you don't have enough time in the day to do this, or there's no way your family's going to be successful because you start to get squeezed. And at that moment, the enemy says, here's my chance to, to really bring them back into, into bondage, bring them back into not having that freedom. And when life starts to get squeezed, we've not dealt with the past, it starts to impact our present. We need to have the courage to face the past. We also have to have the strength to deal with the present. A lot of people prior to this week, a lot of people didn't know the name of Paulus Hester. He was a high school football player in Texas, and, and he, had, had, he was playing in a game, and, and they were behind early on, and, and, and they, they did a great job. And in the midst of that, he was interviewed by a local TV station, and no one would have ever seen his video, because most, most sports, especially if you know anything about sports journalism, athletes say the same thing over and over often. It's kind of like, hey, you guys came back. It was a great win. They say, yeah, our teammates were great. We all bonded together, and we pushed through. And, and, and it's like they say the same things over and over, and that's kind of what you expect, and so after the game, a local, a local TV station interviewed this guy, and no one would have ever seen this interview. Probably a couple hundred people would have ever seen this video if it hadn't been for the response of Apollos Hester. But he responds, he seizes the moment, and he gave a speech on live TV or on a recorded TV that was eventually seen in one week last night by over 6 million people. And so if you're in the midst of having a bad day, hopefully this right here encourages you. I'm out here with Apollos Hester, wide receiver for the Patriots. You guys had one heck of a game tonight. Uh, how'd it go? I mean, it was going a little back and forth. You guys knew it was going to be a tough dogfight out there, and it was. So what were you guys able to do to come back and win this thing? All right, well, at first we started slow. We started real slow. And, you know, that's all right. That's okay because sometimes in life you're going to start slow. That's okay. We, we, we told ourselves, hey, we're going to start slow. We're going to keep going fast. We're going to start slow, but we're always, always going to finish fast. No matter what the score was, we're going to finish hard. We're going to finish fast. Yeah, they had us the first half. I'm not going to lie. They had us. We weren't defeated, but they had us. But it took guts. It took an attitude. That's all it takes. That's all it takes to be successful is an attitude. And that's what our coach told us. He said, he said, hey, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You're going to go out there. You're going to battle. You're going to fight. You're going to do it for one. You're going to do it for one another. Do it for each other. You're going to do it for yourself. You're going to do it for us. And you're going to go out with this win. And we believe that. We truly did. And it's, it's an awesome feeling. It's an awesome feeling when you truly believe that you're going to be successful. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the scoreboard, you're going to be successful because you put in all the time, all the effort, all the hard work and you know that it's going to pay off and if it doesn't pay off you continue to give God the glory if you still lose the game you continue to get each other's back and that and that's what we realized regard when or lose we realized that we were going to be all right it was going to be okay we're going to we're going to keep smiling it was awesome awesome Paul's always got a smile on his face talk about awesome. attitude this guy's got attitude awesome. you guys can't tell uh, we met earlier this week and uh this was the enthusiasm I saw it's the mindset 
Yes, ma'am. Hey, you can do anything you put your mind to. Never give up on your dreams. Keep smiling. No matter what you're going through, if you fall down, just get up. If you can't get up, your friends are there to help you up. Your mom is there. Your daddy's there. God's there. Hey, I'm there to help you up. You're there. It's going to be all right. Just keep smiling, man. Man. Along with all the football highlights you guys have gotten tonight, some motivational speaking courtesy of Apollo Sester. Man, great game tonight, buddy. Yes, so yes, Thank happy you. for you guys. You. Uh, this guy with one touchdown and a whole lot of sass coming out here for the Eastview Patriots. All right, guys, we'll send it back to you. <laughs> I tell you, the first time I saw the video, I'm like, can we be friends? Like, I need that in my life right now. Can we just, like, hang out for a little bit, dude? It seems like no matter who it is, he's going to encourage you. But, but, but that idea, he's like, man, they're down 14 nothing. Don't worry about the past. We've got to deal with the past, but don't worry about the past. But instead, as we deal with it, allow that to give us the strength to be able to handle our present situation. Over in Romans chapter 8, it's a verse we looked through. Uh, it's probably been a couple months ago here at church, but I, I love these, these verses. In Romans chapter 8, verses 37 and 39, it says this. No, in all these things, we, we right here are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is writing, talking about the love that God has for us. And he says, listen, I'm convinced that all of these things, all of those things, nothing is going to be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The reason why we don't want to invite God into those broken, busted up parts of our life is because we're afraid of judgment. We're afraid, man, God's going to see these things and he's not going to want to use us. He's going to find someone else who's more qualified, someone else who is, is smarter or, or, or has it more together. And, and I'm afraid that if I invite God in those areas, that he's going to judge me and not want to use me. Paul writes to the church of Rome and says, listen, none of those things are going to be able to separate us from the love of God. And as we surround ourselves with peers and, and influences that have that same mindset, we realize, man, we can start to open up about our past. We can start to invite people in and knock that barrier down and say, I know for me to discover what God's plan is for the future, I have to discover what about my past is holding me back. And as I do that, I have the courage to deal with my past. I have the strength to attack my present. It said, I am, we are more than conquerors. And if you were here a couple months ago, we talked about that verse. And that verse literally means we are super conquerors. Like right now, where we're at, we are super conquerors. Not allowing the past to hold us back. But to say, right now, I need to have the strength to deal with the present. And the last part of this is this. As I have the courage to deal with my past, I have the strength to handle my present. I have the faith to believe that healing is possible. Whatever it is. And for each one of us, we have to discover what that is because for each one of us, it's going to be different. But if there's something about our past that is holding us back from discovering God's purpose, we have to go back and deal with that. We have to invite God in those broken, busted up parts and say, God, I need your healing. And I believe that healing is possible because I know that no matter how bad it is, None of that is going to separate me from your love. From the love that was personified in Jesus coming here to earth to die for my sins, to take away my sins, to give me freedom. And God, that is your desire for me, is for me to experience that freedom. And so I have to stop defining myself by those low moments. 
So last week we said that sometimes we have to say no to certain things. And the tough question is, okay, well, how do we know what to say no to? Because there are a lot of things that are constantly striving for our attention. And the answer is not always simple. I can't give you, here's a specific formula. You plug it all in. If it doesn't fit that criteria, then throw it away. I wish it were that simple. It's not. But here's what I was discovering in my own journey. And so there are things about the past, no matter how bad our past is, there are things about our past that start to haunt us in, in the present and the future. They start to hold us back and they start to limit us. And what happens is because for a lot of us, we like to shy away from that type of conflict. We don't deal with them. And so our response is then to fill our lives with things that are not mission imperative. They're not really important. And I'm sure that we could each, if we took a, just a, a picture of our day throughout one week, we could probably find things in our life that are filling up our lives right now that are really not essential. There are things that we're going to forget about in a very short amount of time, but because we don't want to deal with bigger issues, they become the things that most fill our time. Fairly recently, I had a chance to do some, some marriage counseling for couples that are getting married. And one of the things I do at the end of that counseling is I ask them, right now together as a couple, write a mission statement for your family. If you're getting married, what at the end, if, if you're going to have success in your family, what do you want that to look like? If we did the same thing for our lives, if we, said, if we said, God, here's what I believe my mission statement as an individual is, then anything else that's not that, that's peripheral things, it's not saying we can't do that, but we're not going to cut out the things that are most essential. We're not going to cut out things that are part of the mission to be able to support things that are not part of the mission. And so for me, it was looking at passing. There are things that I have to deal with. There's things I have to remove from my life. I have to discover what those things are so I can discover what God's plan is. So you deal with the past. We can't pretend it away, so we deal with the past, discover those things, deal with those things. And part of the healing process is now saying, God, you're, you're granting me freedom now to discover my future. God, I trust you entirely. I know that you're in control. So I'm going to welcome you into those spots. I'm going to welcome you into those, into those areas that I'm afraid to face. And then as I go through that, trust you more and more. I discover that you have a huge plan for my life. Let's pray.